Hey everybody, this is, uh, I'm Dave back, and uh, Ross, the last time we linked up, it was for something different, uh, but this is for a new podcast that we're doing at Drift called Pipeline, and I want to talk to, I'm talking to CROs, CMOs about Pipeline funnel stuff, but I also want to bring in, um, you know, sub subject matter experts to, to widen people's uh, learnings and, and, and experience. And you're one of my favorite people to talk to about marketing, especially when it comes to content and social media. And that is a personal favorite subject area for me. And I also think it's a weak spot when it comes to a lot of uh, B2B marketing. And so we're just going to, we're going to jam on some of that stuff. I have a bunch of prompts and things that I want to, that I want to send you in. When you talk about distribution, can you yeah. go into the actual nitty gritty? Like what is Let's that? What does that Let's mean? Let's do it. A hundred percent. So let's say you just press publish on a fire piece of content, something that you know your audience is going to want, they're going to enjoy it, they like it, etc. Most companies are going to send out a tweet, they'll share it on LinkedIn, the CEO might share it on their LinkedIn, and then you call it a day, right? That is the bare minimum, and you need to take it a step further. So what do you do? To really wait, embrace wait, content... Pause, pause there for a second. When... Okay, so I'm with you so far. When... When do you do this full out distribution effort? Because I think that yeah. I think that I see a lot of companies are they're writing five blog posts a week and the yeah. challenge then becomes like do you do that for every post? Is it certain ones? Because if you you know, it, it's tough to put the full distribution blitz that you're gonna go, go into on. And so like are you first identifying how often and picking your spots of when you're gonna do this? Exactly. So most if you can't distribute out of five assets, if you can't distribute Two of them, scale back on how much you're creating. Like you're creating too much. If you don't have time to distribute, you don't have time to create. Like you're creating too much content. So at the beginning, you have to do what I would say is like identify the intent of everything that you create. So every asset that you develop should have a goal. Is this asset meant to rank in Google? Is this asset meant to generate traction amongst our target audience on social? Is this asset meant to elevate our corporate culture and tell our vision, tell our story, attract good talent? Every single Single asset that your organization creates should have a goal. It's kind of mm. like a stock portfolio in many ways, where the stocks that you invest in, the businesses you invest in, and the way you make your investment as an individual is going to be rooted in your own objectives and what you're trying to accomplish. So you should view right. your content the same way. Somebody who is 65 years old is not going to have the same investment portfolio as somebody who's 22. And the same thinking needs to be applied to a up and coming emerging startup versus somebody who who might be a industry leader and already own 90% of the market, right? Like you're going to be doing different things. So your content marketing makes you reflect that. So that's where it starts. And then you go into distribution and you're going to apply distribution tactics to the asset, depending on the intent that you have behind it. Yeah. I love, I love that. You mentioned the important thing, which is intent, because to your point, if the goal is, because obviously a big part of what you talk about is is search and, and SEO, but I, that to yeah. me feels different, right? Which is like, it is. If we're yeah. creating an article that is designed to rank, then yeah. the, that is the promotion. You know, we, we don't need to do all of those things, but if we've right. created some bigger uh, in-depth report or guide or original yeah. research, that's when we're gonna go and do all of the distribution stuff that you're gonna talk about. 
Exactly. So let's go back to the distribution and how that would look. So you just press publish on a great piece of content. It's going to resonate with your audience and you know that it's going to increase the amount of people who are knocking on sales doors to talk to them um, and it's going to generate some engagement. So what do you do? As I mentioned, most people will just do a couple tweets, a share on LinkedIn and call it a day. A smart distribution engine has planned prior to pressing publish what their distribution efforts are going to look like from day one all the way through to day 140. What does that mean? It means on day one, you're going to take that asset and you're going to share it on Twitter. You're going to write a Twitter thread to support that asset. And in that last tweet, you're going to link to it. It means that you're going to take a screenshot of a tweet around this thing and you're going to share that maybe on LinkedIn with a link in the comments to that same article. You're going to email every single person who you mention in that article so they see it and they can reshare it and they can message you and talk about it and have some conversations behind closed doors. You're going to share it in your internal Slack channel with a message that you've already crafted so you can get the internal team to support it. In that message, you're going to link to the Twitter tweet that actually promotes it. You're going to link to the LinkedIn post that promotes it. You're going to link to the Facebook post that promotes it. And ideally, people on your team are going to amplify it, link, like it, share it, etc. all within the first 30 minutes of this piece going live. You're then going to send a DM to a few of your friendlies, best clients, best customers, besties on the internet, and you're going to ask them to retweet it on social as well. This is all happening within the first 60 minutes of this piece of content being live. At this point, you're going to go grab some coffee you're going to come back to your desk <laughs> and then you're going to put up potentially a quick video or something on your LinkedIn saying, we just pressed publish on this piece of content. Check it out. I think you folks are going to enjoy it and you're going to like it. While all of this is happening, your sales team should be nurturing old relationships and saying, check out this piece that we just published. And then people are re-engaged with this content. This is all happening on day one because on day two, the life cycle of your article is not dead. You are reaching out to a few newsletters and people who run newsletters letters asking them if they think your article is worth sharing in their newsletter. So then you have them promoting your news, your article in their newsletter, maybe not on the same day, but maybe over the next seven, six, 14 days or whatever that may be. Then you potentially get plugged there. You're also going into a handful of niche Slack communities where your audience is spending time and you're sharing the content in those Slack communities. You're also keeping an eye on whether or not there's a dialogue or a conversation happening in Reddit about this niche about this topic so you can be the first person to drop a comment on that post with a link to the article that you just published in this. This is happening between day four and let's say 25. In addition to all of this happening, you are going to reshare it on Twitter. You don't just publish a post once and call it a day. You're resharing it on Twitter probably the same day as well as the day after because the people who are on Twitter in the morning aren't the same people who are on Twitter at night. Now, in addition to all of this, you're going into Facebook groups and you're looking for people who are, again, in your target audience, asking questions, looking for answers, and you're going to do something very different than most people. Most people will share a link in a Facebook group and then wonder why they just got blocked and banned from the group. Instead, what you're going to do is you are going to drop as much value and knowledge as possible in the comment section on a post that somebody has shared relevant to this article. You're going to be very 
humble and you're going to say, I got so much value out of this conversation a few weeks ago, I decided to revisit it. Here's a piece that I published about it and here are a few takeaways. You're not going to make them click to get those takeaways. You're going to include that in the summary on the post. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, Ross, one, you're talking too fast and I can't keep up. So I'm going to slow down and I'm going to say, here's what you need to know about content distribution. You create a piece once and you distribute forever. The opportunities to take an asset that is good and spread it is literally endless and infinite. All it requires is a little bit of hard work and a whole bunch of creativity and the commitment to adding value to the people on the other end. That was... I could keep going. I I know you can. This is why you're here. This is why you're here. I mean, I, I... that was that was about five. That's that's five minutes of a playbook, which I hope people, if you're listening, will go back and 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 map out, and go to Ross's Twitter, and you can you can find all all this stuff. And I also think uh, another thing to do is just like to model what is what is good, and just following uh, the coolest cool Ross on on Twitter. You can you can just see his Twitter feed as a, as a good example of this. Um, I have a, I have a bunch of different I have a bunch of follow ups for, Let's for do you it. on this, my friend. Um, Number one is, so I think that this there, there's there's like levels of this distribution plan, right? Which is like I think yeah. that people I don't want people to listen to this and take every single piece of content and post it in somebody else's Slack group. I think that right. I really think that you have to pick and choose your spots. Hundred um, percent. Similar to like social media, right? In the sense of like. When you 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 know you've seen this for yourself on social media, like if you yeah. if you give value eight out of 10 times on social media when you ask for something, meaning, hey, sign up for this thing or here's my this thing yeah. my company's doing, the, the response to those things are, is gonna be way higher. It's like if yeah. you promote, if you're in the Facebook group, in the Facebook group, on Reddit, in Slack, every, you know, every other week, it's not gonna work. Like I, no. would, I would say that there's maybe once a month where you can do this effectively. But I think that there's a there's a subsection of like, if you laid out all the things that you talked about, there's almost different kind of engines here, right? There's like, this is the big bang product launch. This is a big piece of content we've been working on for a while. But then there's the stuff that you can do for every single post is social media because of the kind of like right. ephemeral more more ephemer, ephemeral nature so yeah. that's just yeah that's especially in communities I, right like especially in communities people you have to realize in communities the receipts are there like everyone can see your receipts everyone can see what you've done in the past everyone can see how you've been engaging how you've been interacting so it's important that you ensure that the work and the value that you're adding is coming from a good place and that it truly is valuable because everyone yeah. can see it the, the the most success that I've I've had as like an individual content marketer was like actually er, super early days of drift we kind of took that approach which is like instead of pu- publishing a piece of content every day we published fewer things but we kind of had once a month we did something meaty and that is yeah. when at, at the time this was like inbound.org and growth hackers were like kind of communities that could help shoot your content you know get initial yeah. traffic on it to the moon and I yeah. and I noticed that like if I came in and posted every time, it wouldn't work. A and to your right. point about adding value, if I just copied and pasted what I wrote and pasted the link in that community, it's not going to work. But if I wrote a dedicated, no. like if I if I spent yeah. the time and wrote 500 words 
too specific to that community that let mem that let people know, hey, I'm a regular participant in this community because I think a lot of reasons like you know you you posted a tweet the other day, you've been on the front page of Reddit ten times. Um, yeah. You you don't just get on Reddit by like oh it's time to promote my content I'm gonna no. I'm gonna post my link now you have to you have yeah. to like add value and so I really focus on like trying to you know this all comes back to actually knowing your audience right and, and being yeah. where those conversations are and so it was natural to to do that yeah. um, so I think you have to you have to give that value up front another thing that 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 I scribbled down that this segmented to which is like there's also there is no way to do this content marketing or distribution without actually knowing where your audience hangs out. And so True. if you're listening to Ross and you know, the, the, Ross's, Ross's uh, advice is not just go blindly post in Facebook groups, right? If you're, right. If you're not right. even in any Facebook groups in your, in your niche or Slack groups in your niche, then your action item off of this podcast is to go make a list of like, before you even create content, I want you like Ross and I want you to go sit down Get at the whiteboard, get a piece of paper out, and make a list of 20 places that your potential customers hang out online. And yep. that's kind of the shell to start to figure out. And then you have to go in those communities, right? And then yep. start, then you can think about one day posting in there. Yeah. One billion people visit Facebook groups every single day. Like, your audience is there. Like, you can hate Facebook, love Facebook. I'm not here to discuss that. But your audience, <laughs> is there like yeah. your people are there and if you can't find a specific group that is directly for your niche create that group and you can be a leader in the space by being the place where that gathering ground exists and use that uh to drive results for your business totally and, and by the way there is there is a freaking uh group for every single every topic. interest under the sun and so no matter what industry you sell to there's a there's a Slack community or Facebook group for your niche, yep. and by the way, the size of it the size of the group is not actually that important because at least the way that I think about it and like correct me if you think this is wrong but I think of it as it's about finding like as Seth Godin called them the sneezers which is like I yeah. want to reach the people who are going to spread my content and so yeah. my hypothesis is that like if I am selling golf equipment. The yeah. people that are in a Facebook group for golf equipment, and this is granted a B2C example, but you can make, make yeah. the point. Let's say, let's say I'm selling – I'm a financial I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm in financial technology, right? The yeah. people that are in a, in, a, in a group for that type of interest, those are the super fans, right? That's not yeah. the average Joe who no. – you know, if you're in a community about this topic, you really care about it. And so it's no. not about the, the humongous audience. It's about reaching those people who will hopefully then spread yeah. your message to, to – 100%. Yeah, and it's across the board. Like I, uh, we're looking. We've been looking for a, an EA to join the team, and I was like, I have an inkling that there's Facebook groups for EAs, and if I can find that group, I'm gonna find people who self-identify as being an EA and a great one at that. So we found them, and we put up a job posting, and within minutes, we have more applicants than any other online effort because people who are in these groups are the people that you expect. Like you're going to get the people who are so passionate about a certain topic that they're looking for that information on their Facebook feed. You know that they're going to be passionate about a subject. Yeah. And I, I think you also have to, one of my biggest pet peeves with content and marketing is I don't think that we as marketers look enough objectively at the thing that you're creating. And it's like, yeah, 
is this good? Is someone who doesn't know my brand or company going to actually get value from this? Or is this some like veiled promotion for, for my right. company? The best content right. marketing is truly about education and expertise and has nothing to do with the company. And, yep. you know, like I, I like to think about individuals in this sense. And like I look at you, Ross, as the founder of a, hey, surprise, you happen to run a content marketing agency, but you're right. an incredible person to follow. And I, I, if you follow you on Twitter, it's obvious that you get what you're talking about. People right. get to know, like, and trust you before before they buy from you. Oh, hey, look, yep. I've been following Ross for six months now on Twitter. If I'm in a position right. to hire an agency, you're going to be on my short list of, of right. brands. Like that, that is the thing you're trying to achieve. It doesn't matter if you sell $10 million B2B SaaS contracts or you know, yep. iPhone cases. Like That is the opportunity. Right. 100%. I could very quickly say I'm going to sell something else, and I am confident that I would still be able to sell that thing to a handful of people who I'm connected with just because we've built trust. And the trust has come from that commitment to adding value to the people who follow, the people who I'm connected with. And yeah. I honestly think like if you go into marketing with the idea that if you give value to an audience, you will give value back, the game is literally put on easy for you. It goes on easy where you are able to just give value and eventually the value comes back. I, similar to you, like you talk about the growth hackers and the inbound.org thing, um, the value of those efforts come years later as well, right? Like the impact that you have on people at one point in time still continues to pay dividends in the future. Like it's very easy to get caught up in the fact that, oh, look who's on the front page of TechCrunch. Look who's getting all the hype. Look who's trending on Twitter. Look who's on the Discover page. Okay, all of those things are good. But if you can have value that fundamentally changes somebody's career, fundamentally changes their life, fundamentally changes the way that they view the world and their perspective, etc., you shape culture with your content, you have the ability to generate and receive value for the rest of your life. And it's a long game, it's a long play, but personally, there's not been something more rewarding in my career than getting a message from somebody who's seen something that I did five, six, seven years ago and say, Ross, I'm where I am today because I followed a YouTube video that you did, I read a thread that you had on Twitter, I answered, saw a few questions that you had in Quora, and it fundamentally just changed my career. Nothing is better than that. So yes, at the end of the day, we're all in this world to like generate value for companies. We're here. I love the game. But impacting people on a human level is so rewarding. And I think that alone should get you fired up to add value through content on social um, and distribute that content. Because if you don't distribute it, you're doing a disservice to the people that you could have helped. Somebody yeah. right now is struggling because you're afraid to share an article that you wrote that is actually valuable. And that's well, I, I, not good. I also think like, I think there's like a, there's like a curve over time also of how much you need to promote your content, right? Because, you know, now, for example, like, looking at your social media presence, for example, you, you have built up an audience, you have a social yeah. media presence, you have an email list. You can get a, you don't need to promote content like, like you used to. It, it, like, here, here's an example. Uh, you're, you, you're interviewed in a book that I'm, that I'm writing that's coming out in a couple months. And I'm like, yeah. man, this book is coming out soon. I don't feel like I have a strong enough marketing plan. And then I'm like, 
actually, you know what? Like I have a, I have built an audience. I've built a community. Yeah. That's kind of my marketing plan is like, I'm going to, you know, the people that are going to get the book are those people. However, rewind back to, to the early days. I think you do have to, you know, you have to think about you where you're at. Do you have an audience for your business, for your niche yeah. online somewhere? Uh, yeah. You know, if not yet, then you have to you have to do more of those things to build up the distribution. Right. Okay, and, and this you, is like a, it's a All good right. point to just double double down on for a second. Double right? down, like, please. There's a reason why Kanye can just put out an album cover that is black with no graphics, no visuals, and just put it out there to the world, and maybe put up a few Instagram posts, throwing shade, etc. But an up and coming artist needs to like go hard replying to every single viral tweet with a link to their album. They need to be on Hot New Hip Hop. They need to be on all of these sites. They need to distribute a lot more than somebody who is a legend in the space, right? Like you have to recognize that there is a big difference. And if you're early, you need to be hungry. You need to be distributing. You need to be spreading your content. You need to do more, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I, so love, I, love, I love that example. I love that example. His album is terrible. I'm, I'm certified. It is. I'm not a fan either. I'm not a fan. You know, I'm team, I'm team Drake for anybody watching at home. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think, I think and I, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I think that's how I would – that's the angle that I would think about for, for your advice, which is like, unless you, unless you have that distrib, unless you have now built built-in distribution. And by the way, yeah. to me, that is the goal. Like, right. the ultimate goal. Like, if if for any B two B SaaS company today, uh, if you're either starting over or you don't have this yet, I think the number one thing that you need to do is build a community around your cause, around your thing. And so, like for us at Drift in the early days, that was building a strong community in the marketing space, right? Yeah. But but even today, if I if I was starting a new company in this space, the very first thing that I would do would, would be building a building a community. Um, yeah. You know, you and I, I think on our last podcast, we, we talked a little bit about golf. But even even in that yeah. even in that example, like one day, if one day, like let's say maybe ten years from now, I want to launch a golf brand, right? Right. Well, the best thing I could be doing now is to actually not sell anything but to be creating content i could start a blog and start a newsletter and build that up because if i then have after five years an email list of yeah. ten thousand people that are getting my yep. you know articles and videos there's nobody more primed to to buy our stuff and like yeah. this is not rocket science like everyone no. that's listening has heard these examples i just don't think no. that we something happens when we go in the b2b land and we shut all no. that down and the reason that i like talking to you is because you know you you can you know bring regular examples into yeah. the mix and that's what i like to riff on with you because that's what i want people to think about forget so about deep. this b2b content marketing strategy think about you know think about that approach so here, here, here's the here's the question that I wanted that I want to riff on with you though. Like I think one place that a lot of companies get stuck though with content is, you know, you mentioned every piece of content you need to create has to have intent, you know, some intent. Yeah. The hard part though is like content at a company is used for everything, hiring. Engineering. Yeah. The engineering team wants a blog post. You know, the we need this article for sales. There's this for SEO. Yeah. There's this research report we're writing. Like. I've I've seen many times at companies that there's a lot of action happening in the content world, but we're not making progress on on a lot of results. So like, yeah. I want to peel all the way back to like, how do you how do you first what do you talk about with companies with B two B companies about a content strategy? Because yeah. 
you can't just get in this world where like, yeah, you get every piece of content has a goal, but you're going to be asked to do 30 things. And the funny thing about content is it's like, it's usually one or two things that actually move the needle. So can you just kind of unpack like, what's your philosophy on actually having a content strategy and where that should fit? Because content, sorry, this is a rant, but content can be used for awareness and trust. And it can be used all the way at the bottom of the funnel for yep. you know, feeling good about what you're going to buy, like how do you how do you yeah. lay those things out and, and appeal to each stage? Great question. So it starts by doing an audit of what exists today. So oftentimes your organization will have created some type of content, and what you're going to look for is a trend to see what type of content a brand has been publishing consistently over the last few days, few weeks, few years, etc. Oftentimes in SaaS, if a team doesn't really have a strong content engine, you're going to see a post about who just joined the board of directors. You're going to see a post about who's the new CFO. You're going to see a post about a new feature that they launched. You're going to see a announcement that they just sponsored a new event, that they're headlining a conference. A bunch of content that is not worth sharing on social, that is not going to generate any ranking in, in the SERP. It's not going to get anybody excited. Sales can't really use it. It's not going to do much at all. When you see that, that is an entire content portfolio. So let's embrace the investment analogy a bit. That is 100% rooted in, let's call it culture content. So the full endeavor is culture content, content that the internal culture would care about. The rest of the world doesn't really, but we've created it to satisfy the culture and the higher ups and the people in the company. Now, what you then so need the, to do- The people is, who don't know anything, often don't know anything about the actual, uh, about what what content works. It's like, those are often exactly. the same people who are complaining about, I, I posted something the other day, it's like, um, in order to, uh, well, yes, we're, we're in, we want to invest in social media, but first, we, before we make an investment in social media, I need to see the ROI in social media. And so we're going to do a bunch right. of things and we're going right. to do a bunch of short-term things and measure them the wrong way and then wonder why like this approach is not exactly. working. Yeah, we're going to put an intern, no no shade to interns, love interns, but we're going to put an intern on it who's one month out of school and let's see if they can make it work. Like that's not a proper investment. And I we, we keep talking about this thing like investment because that's what content is, right? You're investing in this asset to get an outcome. So at this point, once you've done an audit and you see what type of content assets you've been creating, you want to categorize them. How much of your content has been meant to act as, let's say, documentation for engineers and developers who need Need to use your API. Okay, if that's a bucket of content that you need to create on a regular basis, amazing. What is the investment that you need to put into that to sustain the development community in the way that you're strategically trying to? Okay, that's your engineering bucket. Now you're going to look at social content. So how much of your investment is going to be in pure play social content that is meant to generate shares on LinkedIn, on Twitter, etc.? You're going to create a bucket of content for that. Then you're going to look at high growth SEO opportunities. So maybe you're going to say a bucket of our content is going to be invested in high growth SEO opportunities that might hit, that might resonate. You're also going to go after some highly competitive, so low risk SEO opportunities, low growth opportunities, but it's going to be highly competitive. At this point, you're creating essentially a content portfolio and you're allocating your budget to the various types. Now, mm. when you do it correctly, you probably will see that culture content doesn't really get as much of an investment as it used to because what you're seeing is that the outcome of other investments have a bigger impact on your bottom line, on your business, on your sales pipeline, on revenue assisted content, like all of those things become easier when you look at it from a holistic standpoint. Some of your content 
might be backlink driven content where you're just publishing it because you want to get a bunch of backlinks. So you're creating an investment in maybe one or two assets a year that are going to get a bunch of links because they're a state of crypto report. It's a state of IT report. It's a state of HVAC report, whatever it may be. And you're going to do that annually and it's going to get a bunch of links. Those are the things that you need to look at from your content strategy and ask yourself as you make these investments, how did these link back to our overarching goal? And what often happens is that you'll notice one part of your investment in your niche, in your space with your audience serves better than everything else. And when you see that, that's when you increase that investment. That's when you start to say, okay, organizations, like Zapier have seen amazing opportunities on the back of SEO. So what do they do? They invest heavily in SEO content. You look at a handful of organizations who have done a great job on social content, they invest in that because it's working. And that's the way that you need to do it. You need to invest in what works, but first you have to do an audit of where you are today. Then you need to create a portfolio based off of intent that is rooted in okay, this is where we want to be and what our goals are. And then you start to double down on the things that really move the needle. Yeah. I, I, I Okay. I, I love that because basically you have to first accept the fact that content is kind of everything and it's going to go yeah. across the entire funnel. And so what you're doing is you're laying out where, where are all of the, what are all of the things that we're being asked to do with yeah. content today? And what are all the things we should be doing? And you're kind of like laying them all out and ranking them because if there is a huge opportunity with SEO and you need to be spending more time creating SEO content, but your writer is spending all of her time doing this like blog for the engineering team yeah. and you only have one writer and, and you're not, then like you have to also make hard yeah. decisions. You, you, you don't yeah. need to do everything. And, and, and so, yeah. Hey, or like, you know, a big ask has been from the sales team. We need much more product marketing kind of middle of yeah. the funnel type of content that's right. going to be measured and created differently. And there's going to be trade-offs yeah. to all that approach. So I, I really like your, your portfolio analogy um, because one of the challenges with content is that it's kind of always got to be short-term, long-term. You, yep. you had a tweet that I saw, I was just like messing uh, through your timeline before this, which is like, you know, the, the, if you're a, a CMO or, or a marketing leader, you're going to be thanking yourself for the investment in SEO, like in, in five right. years from, from yeah. now. And, and that's hard. That's hard. Like I've been a CMO, I've been a marketing leader. It's very hard to, to, to do the short, to do the long-term stuff when you have so much yeah. pressure to hit the short-term goal. And so I think your advice around a portfolio approach m means like, look, what percentage of our, all of our, con our content is not direct response. Some of it right. might help us bring in inbound interest today, but the goal is longer term awareness, longer term yep. SEO. SEO can take six, 12 months, a year, yep. multiple years to compound. And so you have, you have to be able to, to look at that view. There's short term content and there's long term content. Yeah. And that's a key challenge in the CMO space because a lot of our tenures is short. Like I think the average CMO chief marketer, like it's less than five years and it's hard to think for a company 10 years out when you're going to be measured on this year's metrics, next year's metrics, and then you potentially might churn, right? Like it's very difficult often to have a leader in the marketing seat that is empathetic enough for the next team, empathetic enough for the next org to say 10 years out from now, it's important that we lay the foundation for the group and the organization 
what it will look like in the future. Um, yeah. It's important though. Like it's very important. And I think marketers um, over the last few years have started to get a, a bad rep in many ways because we, one, have a lot of folks who will think short term and we have a lot of folks who are anti-sales for some reason. Like marketers, stop being anti-sales. <laughs> like, be friends with the sales folks. Like create the sales enablement content. Create the con- talk to your salespeople. Like this is an important part of our jobs. Um, and when you have leadership that embraces both the long-term and sales, that is leadership in a marketing division that will thrive. Um, and it's so key. So you talked about sales. How do you, if you're, you're a big advocate of sales then, how do you think about attribution with content? So to me, I say, hey sales, are you folks seeing, like it's the basics. It's like, all right, let's see and track the SQLs that are coming in and where do they come from? If they came from a marketing effort, great. That's awesome to hear, that's awesome to know. I wanna be able to see that. Do I measure content assisted blog posts and tweets and LinkedIn updates? Not really. Um, as long as we have some data that demonstrates like that we're capturing some folks and there's an increase in demand and sales is happy and we're able to also arm sales with the ability to nurture and move people through the pipeline faster, marketing is doing their job. And I think that's one piece, like as much as this is a role of like data, it's also a role of like EQ, personal relationships, building trust, and having tough conversations with sales when you need to have a tough conversation with sales. And I think you need to talk to your sales team and say like, all right, we're rolling in a new feature. Let us arm you with some one-pagers. Let us arm you with a deck. Let us arm you with some resources so you can nurture those relationships and close some prospects that fell through the cracks. Have the conversation with sales. Hey, we've noticed that like, we haven't been hitting our numbers. Is there anything that marketing can do to arm your sales team, your BDRs with better information to close? Have those conversations instead of living in a silo where it's like, we wanna rank for this keyword. We wanna rank for that keyword. All good, but like you still gotta pay the bills and the bills get paid through sales. So let's help sales do that. And I think, long story, a little bit longer, I know I'm rambling a bit here, Um, but essentially, My thoughts on attribution is the conversation about attribution disappears very quickly when you are able to demonstrate one KPI that is associated with marketing that is ultimately leading to sales being happy with the results that they are generating in terms of actual sales. So that's kind of my approach to it. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the full attribution requirements and the approach? I think there's a couple of things in there that you mentioned, which I'll kind of pick at. One of them is, I think there's the role of like, I think when we talk about con, like, I think when I think about content, I don't just mean like blog posts. I think of like the actual creation of content. And I would like to use as a marketing leader, I would like to use the best content creators to create content regardless of the stage of the funnel. And so for example, if the content ask is sales needs a deck or a one pager, I would wanna have a content team that it's not just like, well, no, I only write blog posts. No, if you're a badass content creator, I want you to apply that brain to the PDF and the output is a PDF. 
The yeah. challenge is that's where like competing goals and priorities come from because a lot of the times in organizations, that content person will have an output goal like X number of articles per week. And so that person is then not fundamentally aligned to then go drop mm. what they're doing and then go help, help the sales team. And so uh, I think content is kind of a weird thing in that it, it can be done by multi like because you could also make the case that that content should come from product marketing or sales enablement kind of there are multiple teams right. that are creating content and so i think it starts with thinking about the the, the property like is that is that website content is it you know a deck yeah. type of content but i also think on the attribution thing i think the attribution piece is very important yeah and i've been in a situation where like you mentioned where it's like yeah we're doing stuff and sales is selling and content's right. working but uh, looking back, I would actually fully instrument attribution on content from the beginning. And the yeah. way that I would think about it was um, I would want to use something like Visible, for example, where I could right. get attribution across everything. And I could say, hey, this company spent, this company bought, and yeah. it wasn't, because content is so rarely ever direct response, especially in B2B, that uh, I, I want to know, like, did our content help or influence them like the best marketing yeah. today is helping and we talk so much ross like about being an expert and, and and leading through expertise with content uh it would be enough for me as the marketing leader to say this company bought and they engaged with or read you know yep. three articles over the yep. course of their buying experience True. and that could be 100%. nine months right over the uh, hey the average sales cycle is nine months this person initially read our blog and then yep. they read five more posts. I would want to work that into some type of, that's how I would measure the, the success of that type of content versus there might be a different type of content where the goal is not, uh, ultimately every piece of content, the goal is to get somebody to, to, to your website, to, to sure. your store. And so yep. I, I would have some type of attribution model that, that yep. gives content credit and ultimately it's not about, I think you'll get into a tough spot if you're trying to measure like, last touch attribution on content. It's not going to be that in B2B, someone read a blog post. It, it, it's way different in B2C. If I Google, yes. you know, uh, best, uh, best golf shoes and I read an article and I click on a link and then I buy from that link, that's a yeah. world where that last kind of last touch makes sense. In right. B2B, it's so much about education. It's so much about helping. It's so much about taking somebody along that buyer's journey that I would think of it more of like how much content are they consuming along the way? And especially important is like, I want to position my brand, my company as the exporter, or the exporter and expert in this industry. And so um, I want people to look at my company as a leader and they're reading my stuff, not because right. we're promoting our products, but because I'm helping you to get smarter uh, yeah. in this world. And I'll give you a, a real example of this, which is uh, my friend Tom Wentworth. He's a CMO of a company called Recorded Future. Uh, they're like over $100 million uh, cool. revenue SaaS business. Instead of just blogging, they created like a big anchor. And I know you like this idea too, but like they created this thing called The Record. It's the it's the record.media if you go check it out. Cool. They, they sell to cybersecurity. He hired two former journalists, hired them out yeah. off of their jobs to go and build this media publication. And the reason that it works right. is because it has nothing to do with their company. It is put on right. by their company with deep expertise by journalists in their space. And 
the traffic to this site is is insane. It's more than most companies' yeah. website and blog combined, and that's because they took <laughs> this it. approach. And so I would much rather see companies take this approach. And the journalist yeah. thing doesn't always work out, hiring journalists, but you can take the same mindset, which is like instead of just writing five articles a week, what is our what is our anchor? And so one example is even doing this podcast for Drift Pipeline, like we yeah. think that there can be so much content that we create from this. We're not pushing yeah. Drift. We're not selling Drift. We're trying to teach people about how to right. get better at B2B sales and marketing. By association, they see Drift as, hey, I'm going to listen yeah. to that company. I'm going to hear, I'm, they're going to help teach me. Yeah. If you can do that, by the way, guess who's guess who, who they're going to check out when it comes time to buy. Uh, and I think that's ultimately like the reaction that that I would want to create with content. I love it. I think you're spot on. I think it's um, in the early, early days of a startup and when you're like a five-person team, it's very easy to get caught up too much on the attribution side when really you just need to grow and get traction. But I think as you scale, you're 100% right. Like You need to have the host in order as it relates to the data to be able to say, we just invested in a $40,000 tool. Okay, yeah. you created this new calculator, you invested a bunch of money in it. You need to be able to track how many people who are going into that actually are converting. So you can say, we invested 40K, but we were able to get 1.5 million out of it. Ooh, different conversation, right? Like it just changes the dialogue um, entirely and it secures you like the ability to make the case in the future to do it again. Yes. Okay, I got two questions that I want to wrap you up. How how have you found, I, I know a lot of companies struggle with like um, training content, uh, mm. training content teams. You obviously do this as a business, uh, as an agency, you have to be able to build and scale and, and hire junior people and, and get them up to speed. Can you just share some kind of tips and lessons and learnings on uh, hiring more junior level content creators? I'm not talking about spending a hundred grand to go hire a journalist. Yeah, um, for sure. How do you yeah. how do you build a successful content team? Uh, and, and and how do you how do you train people and, and and build them up to be effective to write for these companies that you work with? Great question. So it starts by having a fundamental training program that you put everyone through. So we have developed intentionally and I started it when I was a one person shop and I was like, I need to make sure that I can pass off all of this information that I have on content because the schools aren't teaching it. You're not going to learn it in an MBA. You're not going to learn it in BCom. You're just not going to get it. So I recorded a handful of videos that covered content strategy, content creation, and content distribution. So every person who joins foundation gets access to a course hand developed by myself that they go through. And in that course, they're getting cheat sheets. They're getting tasked with the ability to actually go create things. You're getting homework and you go through this as a part of your onboarding experience with foundation. One of the things that is different about foundation and other agencies is we also run a handful of our own brands. Some of these brands have absolutely nothing to do with marketing, B2B, etc. But we run a handful of different brands. And with that, we give our creators, journalists, like these early writers, these early distributors, the ability to get some expertise in their craft by writing pieces of content in topics that are not exactly directly related to marketing, that aren't going up on the Foundation Labs website, that they're not going to share on their personal LinkedIn's. It's just going out into our brand worlds. And by doing that, we're able to give them feedback. So we have editors who are going to give them feedback, who are 
We're going to help them structure a better lead. We're going to have dis, uh, content distribution experts talking them through how to write a great Twitter thread, how to share in a Facebook group appropriately. So they're getting that hands-on training so they better understand the fundamentals of it. And then they graduate to going off and doing it for clients. So after they go through the process of learning it by actually applying it to people, letting the world see the content, not necessarily directly for our own clients, but for our own brands, they're then able to move up to saying, okay, now we're gonna create content on behalf of this unicorn. We're gonna create content yeah. for this up and coming startup. We're gonna start creating content for these brands, etc." So in that process, we start to brief them. So they get briefed, they learn the ins and outs of a subject, they start to monitor other folks who have been working on those accounts, they learn from them, et cetera, um, and then they're able to go off and execute that content from there. Yeah, so, so it starts with you having, um, there, there's a million ways to do content, but you've kind of defined like, here's the, the steps one through 12 of what I believe the playbook is, and we're gonna train everybody yep. on this, and then over time as tools and platforms change, we might add specific stuff to that. Exactly. Yeah, we have a definition for what we believe is content excellence, and we train for what we call content excellence. Like we're not trying to get content perfection because that leads to just nothing ever getting shipped, but as long as there's an aspiration for content excellence and we can define it, then we can tell and train people to know what to look for when you're striving for content excellence. What's a headline that captivates content excellence, right? So in that, we're going to train and teach folks, like this is what a good headline looks like. This nice. is what a horrible headline is. These are the types of words that you use. There's this thing called the information gap that you need to understand. Let's talk about it. What's a bucket brigade? Let's talk about why bucket brigades should be included in any written content. And we break down all of those fundamentals. When we're talking about a Twitter thread, a thread starter should be a certain way. The conclusion of a thread should be a certain way. And we provide that guidance to them so they can come back to it, but also that they're learning the fundamentals. When you create a case study, the biggest mistake, and then I'll stop on this one, that people make, they write these boring case studies that just say problem, solution, outcome. Boring. Everybody's going to sleep. Everybody is going to sleep. Tell them a story and we show how you can tell a story with a case study that actually generates engagement. Like nobody wants to click on a LinkedIn post that's showing up that says B2B SaaS case study with this brand and this brand. Nobody wants to click that. Nobody wants to click that. You know so but funny, they though. do <laughs> where, where companies are the worst at this is, is actually ad copy. Uh, I see this so much in my feed. It's like they're clearly spending a ton of money on, on ad copy, but then I'll see like an image in Facebook that was just like, because there's a mismatch. This is why I care so much about yep. copywriting. It's like somebody's job was to get these ads out and so they got new creative, but then they, then they just shipped the creative. But like there's just That's a it. weak headline on top of that. Um, yeah. I, I, love what you, I love what you laid out because I think – and it's tough to be successful at content if you can't articulate what good content looks like. And so, mm. like, without having seen your thing, my, you know, you're like a training guide from you, for example, my guess is like you're like teaching people how to write Twitter threads simply by observing good Twitter threads that have either worked for you or if you haven't written one yet, you're looking That's at it. others and you're saying, hey, here are the fundamentals of this. Now yeah. you have a framework to go and try to recreate that for, for, for a brand and you can kind of repeat that across, here's a standard recipe that we use for blog posts. Here's a standard recipe that we use for this. Uh, what is the a biggest cheat code in life is reverse engineering. Me. 
right? Like the revert, the biggest opportunity oh, is yeah. to reverse engineer things, right? Well, it, Go ahead. I think even even more than that is to have you you haven't just reverse you you've reverse engineered it, but then created templates and and, and checklists. Yeah. And I think that right. anybody that's listening to this, whether you're in content or or not, any role in sales or marketing. If you want to grow into a leadership position that you're not in, or even if you're yeah. in one and you're going to be hiring, like from day one, Ross, you as a team of one thought yeah. about how can I scale this? I need to document how I, how I do this. And I think it's not just about the documenting, but it's about you being able to articulate what good looks like, things that you like, things that you don't like. And I think it's so tough to have a, a, a good content strategy if you can't explain how you're going to, you know, what is your unique take on this going to be? How are we going to create content? What do we think good should be like? So I think that's a great yeah. example for people that are working in companies. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it was you who put this out there, but I did see someone say like, you do have to have an element of taste as a uh, marketer. Yeah. Um, and hundred percent, it's so important, right? Like you have to build your taste. You have to it's just like wine, right? Like if you have a first sip of wine, you might think it's disgusting, but as you try more, you might start to build a taste for it. Same with content. You have to consume a lot of bad content. You have to consume a lot of good content. And eventually you'll be able to articulate to other people what excellence is and pass that information down to your team. It's so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, w one thing that's, that's helped me is like, and I, I can't untrain my mind and I know you're the same way now, is like, I just see everything as, I see everything through the lens of marketing and, and content now. And I think of like, huh, Ross posted this thing, that thing blew up. Right. Why? What's my right. version of that, 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 yeah. that I could create. And you could do this yeah. within your niche, uh, yep. especially important. Like think about what things your customers are reacting to. This could, this is beyond content strategy, by the way. Like if there was oh, an yeah. event that one of your competitors did and it looked amazing and the response was amazing, don't get mad about that. Understand yep. why it worked, and try to go and take the principle of that, and, and principles of that, and and go and make your your own thing. I think that that That's could it. be an opportunity. So um, true, one hundred percent. All right, Russ. As as always, we could we could do this and talk forever, but uh, I appreciate you hopping on. If you're not already following Ross, go and do it. Uh, one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is not sell you drift, but just make you smarter at building pipeline. And I think that to me, the way that I think about content is that. The, the number one thing you can do as a B2B company today is to build a brand because there's so much noise, there's so much competition. Building a brand gets people to know, like, and trust you, and that's what you want to do. Most people are not just buying one solution. They're often shopping, and so they're looking for two or three different things. I want to be in that conversation because of the brand. Nothing else today helps you build a better reputation and brand than content and social media. And uh, Ross, I think you're one of the best people to follow. So, so you know, just follow Ross on Twitter, and that's one good way to get get smarter on this. Uh, I appreciate you doing it, my friend. And I'm sure I'm sure this will be the first of you know this is maybe our third or fourth time, and I'm sure we'll I'm sure we got more. So thank you. I like. And I will I will see you around. Thanks so much. Appreciate you as always. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>